Tom Wojnarowski is the founder of Satsback, a platform that helps you save Bitcoin whenever you shop online. In our conversation, we discussed the concept of Satsback rewards. We discussed why consumers love Bitcoin as a form of loyalty point and the addressable market for retail and e-commerce loyalty rewards. I also got Tom all set up on Fountain. I've added him to the show splits. So if you enjoyed this conversation and if you learned something new, you can send in some sats, you can send in comments and questions. 50% of the sats will go to Tom, 50% will go to me, and both of us will be able to read your comments and questions. Just a quick shout out before we get into the episode, today's show is sponsored by Voltage. Voltage is the industry standard and next generation provider for Lightning Network infrastructure. Today's show is also sponsored by Zebedee. That's Z-E-B-E-D-E-E, -E -E, and Zebedee is your portal into the world of Bitcoin gaming. We'll have more from Voltage and Zebedee later in the show. Tom, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me today. I am really excited to talk to you about Satsback. I think for, for listeners who aren't familiar with the platform, can you give us a brief background on what the platform is and why you decided to build it? Yeah, thanks for having me, uh, Kevin. First of all, I wanted to see the, say congrats with the podcast. I've been uh, had a chance to see a couple of those episodes and you've been doing a great job and some amazing guests uh, that I'll have a hard time to live up to, uh, I guess. But uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so the idea for Satsback was, was born uh, through, I guess it's wanting to scratch your own itch as as bitcoiners based in the eu uh, in europe um, we also wanted to earn sats when shopping online and we we didn't have any service like lolly or fold available here yet so we decided to go out and build it um, and you know it turns out that there's other people like us and it's um other bitcoiners that that you know like to save in sats but as well as it's a great way to get newbies on board um, and help them experience uh, Bitcoin and the Lightning Network uh, in a low friction, no KYC um, way. So, so we think it's you know, it's it's hard to convince someone to buy something they don't understand, but it's a lot easier to tell them like, hey, here's this loyalty uh, platform where you can uh, just do your online shopping and earn some Sats while while you you do that. Right. And do you get the sense that most of the users um, on Satsback are in that first camp where they're, they've, they've recognized Bitcoin's a thing, they may want some, but they don't really want to go through the process of buying it. And it, is it really just like reducing the friction for all the users? Or, or do you also have Bitcoin power users that are, you know, at all costs trying to stack as many Sats as possible and using this as a mechanism to do that? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I wanted to say that we're pre still pretty early uh, on our journey to still pretty early stage. And um, till now, um, I would say a, a big part of our users are Bitcoiners. So they were like the early adopters that, you know, for them, it was a no brainer. We didn't have to convince them. They were familiar of, of similar platforms in the US. So um, I would say many of them are existing Bitcoiners that already have Bitcoin and just want to want to get more of it, uh, want to save uh, more when when shopping online. Um, but definitely they would then invite their friends or their no coiner or pre coiner friends 
that you know that haven't bought Bitcoin yet. So uh, we, we we're seeing more of of those, um, and I think we will increasingly in in the future as well. Uh, sorry, I, I don't know if that was your question. Did I did yeah, I answer yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I think. Can you can you describe the process of um, like you have different kinds of sats back rewards in in the Bitcoin ecosystem today? There's what you guys are doing is more like an affiliate model approach, as I understand it. But there's also like more traditional sats back offerings on credit cards. I know some exchanges have or debit cards. Um, can you explain the distinction between the different, you know, platforms that offer cashback or sats back rewards? Sure, sure, I can try. So uh, the, the the one area that's been uh, pretty getting pretty crowded recently was the, the 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 card, the debit or credit card rewards, where you get a fixed one or two percent back whenever whenever you spend um, uh, at at stores. Um, and, and that's a different model that basically um, takes the, um, uh, you know, how Visa and MasterCard would charge a merchant a, a small fee for accepting uh, payments using cards. They would, they would take part of that and, and uh, reward users with it. So it's also called cashback. And it's also what um, companies like Gemini would launch their own card and say, here's one or two percent on every every purchase so so we don't do that yet at least um, the other model would be through uh, selling gift cards or vouchers for users to go and then spend at, at, at various merchants and we wouldn't do that either uh, what we're doing is more of this um, affiliate um, uh, model where uh, you would click on a link that would redirect you to the to the shop's um, platform, and as long as you buy something, we earn a small commission for that. Um, we would then turn that commission into Bitcoin and share most of it with our with our users. So there's, yeah, you're right. There's there's various models of how um, you can uh, save or get Sats back for for what you spend. Many users would actually use a certain card that gives them. Uh, sats back for every transaction they do and then use that card on our website and like double stack uh, so that's like the pro level of of you know getting the most that you can from 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 shopping online uh, we've seen that happen before but yeah we're focused on this on this single um, affiliate model for now which which was like the easiest to launch with and and try out but yeah we're definitely looking into other the other areas where we could we could offer higher rewards um, to our users. Yeah, so in this affiliate model, um, what what's a typical reward? I, I know they probably vary across retailers, but is this is it reasonable for someone to expect the reward to be higher than what they might find with one of the uh, uh, like debit cards or credit oh, yeah, cards? Yeah, yeah, uh, maybe with it, yeah, I guess in, in all cases, yes, because um, it's it's like with the debit and credit cards, the only reward that the company can offer is the uh, interchange fee, which is usually in the U.S. it's a lot higher, around two percent. In in Europe, it's even lower, around one percent. So if you're getting if you're getting Sats back on every or cash back on every transaction that you make with your card, it's usually a lot lower. Uh, what we do is is we'll work with these merchants that depending on their, um, I guess, uh, margin model, 
uh, are able to offer a lot more. So if it's someone like, I don't know, a, a domain registrar or like a VPN provider, his marginal cost is a lot lower and they can offer offer up to, you know, even 50% if it's like um, someone selling software. Um, that would come, uh, that uh, you know, you'd get a lot lower deals with something like electronics. But then if you look at clothes or, or shoes, it would it would average out to something around four to five percent for for all of our transactions um but yeah it's generally a lot higher than what you would get with these with these cards interesting so that's a cool way of framing it because i guess like if if the addressable market for a debit card or a credit card is that two percent or whatever the interchange is um then the rewards basically cannot sustainably be higher than that for everyone there's just no way right like if if the processors are earning 2% from merchants, they have to take their own cut somewhere along the line. And then they can give out much of that to users, but they can't go above that really. They can't give out 5% if they're taking 2%. In, in, yeah, in, in that case, yes, but then they could um, in, they could have a special deal with someone, let's say, I don't know if Coinbase has their card, they could say, you know, for, for anyone using Coinbase card, we'll offer this extra reward. So So generally, yes, you're right, but in some cases, you could have offline um, cashback offers uh, that are higher. And then in, in, in some cases, like with uh, crypto.com, they're able to offer a lot higher um, with the uh, condition that they paid out in their own uh, coin, which they obviously can print as much as they can. So they could they actually go and say, like, we'll um, refund your whole Netflix or Spotify subscription, but we pay it out in our own coin, and then you need to stick that coin. So uh, we, you know, we're in that in that sense, they could they could do these things when you're you know printing your own money. You can do whatever you want. You can you could pay people like 100% of what they spend. Cause right. It's, yeah. yeah. So they've kind of warped that business model because they have their own money printer. Yeah. Um, yeah pretty much. But generally, yeah, I, I get the idea there that like there's there's a, a ceiling a pretty low ceiling on the rewards that a credit card could provide and then if you go directly to merchants you now have access to basically merchants can go up as high as their marketing budget right because that's really what they're passing on is like if they have a 50 percent marketing budget uh, or a margin for marketing they can pass that on to you guys and exactly you're right on. so 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 for the for the merchant the the proposition is that they would usually spend money on acquiring a user and using various channels online and offline what we uh, what we do as a as a as a cashback platform is we bring that user directly to them that is most likely ready to purchase something so so we they can see that that user came from us and we would say that um, and what we see in many cases is that our users are so passionate about earning sats that they would specifically look for um, stores that are listed on our website in order to buy their, I don't know, pet food, for example, right? And they would specifically try to buy at those stores. So, so our argument for them is that this is like actually incremental sales. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's some people that would buy th stuff from those places anyway, but in most cases, we would argue that these are like incremental sales where um, Bitcoiners and our users would go to these stores specifically because they're getting a deal there um, in, yeah. Yeah. Now, what is it that keeps users going back to you guys specifically? Because 
I imagine for a merchant who, you know, let's say a merchant has a 50% margin and they're looking to get new users. The merchant wouldn't really care, I guess, if the, the users are coming from you specifically or from another competitor, right? Like, how do you make sure that, how do you build a moat around this idea that, that merchants are allowing anyone to earn these affiliate rewards? They, they usually would, right? So, so the, the merchant actually doesn't care. Uh, he would be open to working with, uh, you know, any cashback uh, company that can drive sales uh, to him. And yeah, they would make some special deals for whoever is driving the most sales, I guess. But it's, it's um, in, in many cases, the merchants wouldn't even know that they're, uh, that they're working with like a, a, a Bitcoin uh, company uh, paying out sats because they just have so many that it's hard for them to, to keep track. They're just open to the general cashback model um, and then and then providers would uh, would do what they do, whether it's like points or uh, sats or cash or whatever. Um, so I think what what makes uh, our users super interested in, in, in using us for their shopping is, you know, obviously a, a far superior reward in, in the form of Bitcoin and sats. Uh, that you know tends to go up in in value over time, um, but I think as well as what differentiates us from from other uh, even Bitcoin uh, rewards companies is that we're uh, Lightning native. So we launched uh, with uh, Lightning only withdrawals, and thanks to that, um, we don't have like a minimum amount before uh, you withdraw. So you could actually uh, order some lunch online. And, you know, like a day or two later when your transaction gets approved, pay that out, even if it's like something as small as 500 sats. Uh, so, so I think that that lightning element, there's, there's a growing community of people that are um, fascinated and passionate about lightning. And for them, you know, they'd rather uh, maybe if they can get a better deal, even in Bitcoin somewhere else, they, they, they you know, they, they'd rather uh, support a company doing it over lightning. And get their sats on uh, into their Lightning wallet. Yeah, that's awesome. Can you provide some perspective on educating people about Lightning, especially the users that might come just for the rewards and maybe aren't maybe aren't Bitcoiners to begin with? How has that process been of teaching users about what the Lightning Network is? Because I know even for Bitcoiners, it can be a um, a daunting task to get set up on Lightning and there's a different format for transactions and you got QR codes. How do you simplify that process for an end user? Yeah, I, I think what we did is we just sort of forced users to use Lightning because that was the only way for them to, to pay out. And and when you look at, at least where we are right now, the, the UX uh, improved a lot and you have multiple wallets. Um, that would, you know, um, I would say paying out using Lightning and using LN URL um, is maybe even simpler than paying out to your to your Bitcoin wallet because all you have to do is just scan a QR code. Um, but there has been an element of, of education. Some people are coming in and saying like, what is this Lightning Bitcoin? I want real Bitcoin, you know, <laughs> and uh, uh, but thankfully, like the growth of the Lightning Network and, you know, El Salvador adopting Bitcoin thanks to the Lightning Network made it easier for us. And now generally people understand that it's, it, it is the same thing. It's just another layer, uh, another way of, of, you know, that helps them 
um, pay out their rewards easy, easier and, 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 and cheaper or for free in our case. Uh, yeah. So there, yeah, it's, I, you know, Bitcoin is generally, and I mentioned that most of our uh, users are, are, are that they, they tend to be up to date and they, they tend to be pretty um, um, tech savvy to, to understand. Uh, I guess there will be a um, that we, we will need to um, do some more in terms of education when we go to the public. But I'm hoping that when we, when we go like mainstream and maybe cross the chasm into like the, the general public. Um, but what, what I'm thinking is that um, at least like when you look at wallets like like Moon, they're kind of abstracting the the difference between lightning and on-chain and you have one balance and then when you, you can scan a qr code and i think eventually soon enough people won't really know the difference is like when we're having this chat over whatever app we're we're using we don't know the tech behind it we just know that it works right we have streaming video okay. and it's it works great so i think i think we're going to get to a similar stage with um with Lightning and Bitcoin, it's, and it's maybe people w won't really need to know. Uh, they'll just be happy to see their sats streaming into whatever uh, wallet that they're using or, or, or with podcasts even. Actually, one thing I wanted to mention that we're really excited about and um, is, is that we recently implemented Lightning address withdrawals. So we completely eliminated the, the payout process. And I think we were the first to, to do that, at least when you look at uh, Bitcoin rewards companies, you could enter your lightning address into our um, into your account with us and then you wouldn't need to withdraw your sats anymore they would just come into your lightning wallet so you just get a push notification whenever a transaction gets approved and you would have you know I, I like to think of it as streaming sats as you would like with a with the podcasting 2.0 that I'm sure you're you're excited about I think you had uh, Oscar from Fountain as your maybe one of the first few guests right yeah, that's awesome to hear that Lightning addresses are now integrated. They just integrated Lightning addresses on Fountain. I, yeah, so I just saw that yesterday, uh, was, or maybe even today. To get your uh, Fountain username, and I'm going to set you up on a split here. Because I can yeah. now add anyone in to the show. You know, if, if I have a guest on, I can add that user, their Fountain username. I can just plug it yeah, into the show I, splits, and it just works. I read that announcement. It's, it's really incredible. It's, it's like, you know, these, these things that are possible, it's almost like we're talking about the future, but it's, but it's now. Mm -hmm. um, so the same thing with us, like we could easily split uh, your sats back rewards if you decide to donate a part of it to, let's say, HRF or OpenSats, something that's, that's uh, supporting open source developers. Um, we could do that as well. Or maybe like even let, you could, you could, dedicate some of your sats to your favorite um, uh, podcast um, creator. Um, and, and the fact that we're interoperable between each other, like every, every app that's on Lightning can, can, can work together, just means that the, you know, as this, this ecosystem evolves and grows, there, there's a lot more value added to our users as well, who then have sats and can do a, a lot more with them. Um, so yeah, it's really exciting to be at the forefront of this, and and definitely I'd I'd love to share. Actually, don't yeah, I'm gonna. I think I might need to update the Fountain app to get my Lightning address, but I'd I'd love to uh, try yeah. that out. Yeah, we'll get you sorted out. Um, I, I had an idea as you as you were talking through these, the interoperability I think is a really cool idea. But mm -hmm. also, if we step back and think about the 
a lightning transaction from a merchant standpoint. What if, it, what if we get to a point where merchants are accepting lightning transactions? Can they split the payment from their side and instantly send it, like send a split to you and then you send a split to, to the user and then a user decides to donate a split to HRF? Like how far can this, right. so there's levels to this, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the idea. Like we keep thinking about, you know, what, what, what is this, what is Satsback going to look like in a hyper Bitcoinized world? And, and, you know, uh, we think that definitely Satsback and Cashback is still going to exist, even though most biz businesses will be accepting Bitcoin. Most users will be paying in Bitcoin. But then with the use of Lightning, how will that affect the industry that we're in? And like you mentioned, it's, it's maybe hard to imagine even at this stage, but um, yeah, it makes sense that, you know, because right now the, the partners that we have pay us out in fiat and we have to wait like, like a month or two before they, they pay us. Uh, and part of that is because they, they need to verify these transactions, but part of it is also because they're using legacy, uh, financial rails that, you know, cost money. And there's no reason why they shouldn't, why they couldn't, uh, you know, on like lightning network, uh, stream these uh, commissions to us as well. Uh, why? Why should we wait uh, weeks or months uh, to get to get paid? Um, and yeah, and they could just easily split that, uh, I guess, automatically between us and our users. Yeah, it's really fascinating. I think we. It, it, it's. It, I keep thinking about like, internet in the in the nineties where we couldn't really imagine. Uh, you know, we were we were there like visiting websites and waiting for pictures to load. And, you know, now we have streaming 4K video and like uh, everything we do is 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 online. So I think similarly um, with Bitcoin and especially the Lightning Network, we're we're going to see use cases that we can't even imagine right now. Like, you know, um, back then, imagine an Uber or Airbnb or something like that. So it's. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think, but it's yeah, it, it's it's like so. This is just one of the industries that um, we're confident that Bitcoin and Lightning will disrupt. But you know, it's it's gonna disrupt many others. Like there's there's probably not an industry where it's not gonna affect it, right? Like uh, you know, as a podcaster, I'm sure you you know, like with podcasting 2.0 and everything going on there, it's 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 yeah, it's fascinating to see that your users can stream sats and then you can share them automatically with your guest or your producer or, you know, it's, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, I also have the same feeling that the innovation happening today in the lightning network is only a tiny fraction of what it will eventually become. Um, and we're only kind of tapping into, um, the kind of like adjacent possibilities and not examining the ones that are like 10 steps away. But as we build these building blocks, I think it gets us closer to being able to do interesting things, right? Each new building block and each new element in the Lightning community can be then combined with other elements to create new business models and um, new opportunities for, for interesting ideas and, and entrepreneurs to build things. Um, so I think it's really cool that um, we're coming up with all these new ideas in the Lightning space. And it seems to me that Lightning's now hit a critical mass of excitement. Like it just seems every day there's a new company building on Lightning now, there's a new 
you know, uh, announcement, there's, there's people hiring, there, it's just, there's, there's fundraising happening, there's like a lot of VC money now lining up, ready to get into Lightning startups. Um, and I don't know, like, I, I don't get the sense that that was happening last year. Um, what, what's your opinion on how kind of the growth of the Lightning ecosystem has evolved? Yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's, uh, there's definitely a lot more happening. Um, but I still think like it's it's easy to get caught up in this in this bubble because you know we we're passionate about this so we live this and you know we're following the same people on Twitter and and everyone's excited about the same things you know and, and yeah there's there's companies raising more money but at the same time when you look at like um, I think Lightning is still the best kept secret like when you when you look at the crypto industry or when you look at uh, the general public, uh, not many people are aware of it. Like, of course, everyone's heard about Bitcoin at, at this time, but but Lightning is still something something very new to them. So I think when we're talking about like mainstream adoption, I think we're still pretty early. And then um, what we keep thinking is that you know generally like when you look at um, when you look at the the the, the crypto and the wider crypto industry is you still see a lot of people distracted with those tokens that when you actually spend some time thinking about it like the whole use case of these um alternative altcoins or shit coins it was you know the the, the faster transaction speed and and now you know if you only spend like an hour thinking about it it's like bitcoin obsoletes that but then people are so invested in those projects that they will maybe even deny it themselves and you know when when you look at the whole industry it's still lightning is still a small part and i would still think it's like the best kept secret because it just works great and you know it's been it's been a few years and it's 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 almost like magic um and you know i think uh you had Pierre Rochard on, on, on a previous episode and he said like there, there will never be a, another blockchain that's quicker than Lightning yeah. uh, with like infinite throughput. And, and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm still a bit um, maybe not frustrated, but um, I think we I, I, I don't know what it is, but like a lot of the new people coming in, um, I guess nowadays it's a lot easier for you to find the signal. Uh, it was it was a lot harder a few years ago, maybe when we were coming in to find that. But it's still most of these new users would come in and just dive into crypto and buy these meme coins and buy these these, these tokens. And 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 um, and I really think that's like a, a distraction to to uh, to adoption um, mm -hmm. that uh, I'm sure it is for Lightning as well. Uh, you know, you could look at the amount of developers that are working on Ethereum. Uh, versus versus that on 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 lightning even though it's improving and and there's a lot more like you mentioned investments happening in the space but still when you consider or where you look at you know how much money goes into crypto compared to bitcoin lightning businesses it's we're like a drop in in the ocean you know it's like maybe one percent every other yeah. day you hear of another like crypto fund raising billions right mm -hmm. um so it's yeah that I guess it's maybe it's a little bit frustrating, but at the same time, you know, we're so confident that we're right that it 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 tends to bother you less with time. Yeah, um, and you know, these I guess people it's will a come around. Sword. It's like on the one hand, yeah, you're you're not going to attract all the all the capital uh, that's looking for a quick win and a token pump, um, but on the other hand, you're going to get the the users that you do get are going to be 
you know they're there for the payments and you know they're there for the actual use case of using Lightning. And you can be pretty confident that they're not there you know, to pump some token because there's no token to pump. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Even though they could, right? They could, like we've, we, we have users, like we're not stopping anyone from sending their sats over Lightning to Kraken and, and buying Shiba Inu or whatever. Like sure. they can do whatever they want. We're just trying to do our part in, in you know, in, in focusing on what's what we think is important, on, on what we think is the signal. And, you know, we always recommend uh, stacking sats, saving your sats, sure, participate in the economy, but, you know, there's no better... Um, technology for saving than than Bitcoin and uh, yeah I think everything else is 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 noise um, mm-hmm. yeah and in the in the context of uh, the the larger economy and uh, if we're gonna kind of zoom out and and think about how how small lightning is today in comparison to not only the crypto space but the the world economy um, I was doing a little bit of research and uh, found some high level numbers. You can correct me if any of these uh, sound off, but um, I saw that $108 billion is kind of like an estimated uh, annual cash back volume. Um, the e-commerce industry is roughly 5 trillion mm-hmm. and global commerce. So, you know, e-commerce will be five. Everything else would combine to be 20 trillion. Um, mm-hmm. Those numbers sound roughly correct. And how do we get from the point where we're at today in Lightning, tapping into probably 1% of 1% mm-hmm. to now, how do we get to the scale of trillions of dollars and, and billions, hundreds of billions in cash back rewards? Yeah, those numbers are insane. And they're, they're, really, uh, they're really large. And, and all of these industries that you mentioned, uh, e-commerce especially has been still growing very quickly. Uh, so it's like, th- those are the numbers, but they're still growing at like a rate of maybe 10 or 20% per year. Uh, with with cashback, that, that's correct. We we um, we have similar figures when we look at at least the initial uh, addressable market for for what um, we think it's obvious that, that Bitcoin is gonna disrupt um, this segment of, of, of the loyalty uh, industry, if not all of it, I think this is just the the biggest no brainer. Like, why would you want cash back where it where where you know it's it's just it's just like a hundred times worse than than Bitcoin. Um, it's obvious for us. It's obvious for Bitcoiners, but still, Bitcoiners are a small percentage of the population. So I think as as more people come to realize that you know there's this Bitcoin thing, and I think the whole macro environment is 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 sort of um, in a weird way helping us with you know increasing inflation. I'm I'm based in Poland and we just had a a number of um, a, I guess it's the official CPI, so it's not even probably accurate to look at that, but it's twelve I think twelve and a half percent compared wow. to last year, which is which is and you know I think US is US is probably nowhere as high, but we still know that the realistic numbers for inflation are a lot higher like when you look at the things that you're buying or whether you know if you're interested in buying a house you know that 10 percent is nowhere close to to um to what you experience so i think with that as people come to realize that you know their money is is uh, at an um increasing rate losing uh purchasing power uh bitcoin will become more obvious just as you know many people say it's a lot easier to explain Bitcoin to 
uh, people in Argentina or in Venezuela, right? Mm-hmm. Or in maybe nowadays in, in Lebanon. And unfortunately, we're going to be, I think we, we, we got to a stage where you're going to see these um, uh, hyperinflationary events um, in more places around the world. And that's going to obviously accelerate the adoption for Bitcoin, right? And it's not going to make sense anymore. You know, if my uh, local currency is hyperinflating, why should I use uh, a cashback service that's going to pay me, um, I don't know, a month after I buy something in, in a local currency that's losing like half of its value in a month? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, I think this, this, this adoption will happen, would have happened naturally anyway, as, as more people uh, realize and, and, and understand. But I think the whole um, macro environment, it will just, just accelerate things, right? As these fiat currencies um, lose more value. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just wanna give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Voltage. Voltage is the industry standard for Lightning Network infrastructure. Creating layer two applications and services on top of Bitcoin starts with Voltage where you can spin up nodes, get access to liquidity, optimize your node, and much more. Voltage is leading the way as the next generation provider of Lightning Network infrastructure. And if you want to get a free trial and start using Voltage today, you can do so at voltage.cloud. Now, if if I'm a user on uh, Satspec, am I, can I get a uh, payment back to me instantly or is it still because the merchant is accepting fiat they you have to wait a few weeks before the transaction confirms on their side yeah so so again not instantly and it depends what you buy again like if it's online uh, if if you're ordering food online then there's no returns there and you're usually going to get your transaction approved within like a a day or two uh if it's something like shoes where you have a return policy then then you we obviously can't pay out the reward while you can still return the product that you bought because otherwise people will just be ordering a bunch of stuff returning them and 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 taking off with the sats um so there is there there is a wait period involved there but many of our users would like do a lot of their shopping regularly and that that wouldn't bother them because they would have like this constant stream of sats just 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 coming into their wallet um as they you know continue their their normal online shopping so yeah it depends on 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 what you buy like with booking.com that i think even users in the us could use with us uh, uh booking will not pay out the commission before you had your stay so if you're booking like holiday for 3 months from now they they're not going to pay out the commission until your holiday is is um, is complete uh, so right. it really really depends on on what you buy, but yeah, in, in most cases, it, it is a there is a wait period of like a, a month, if not yeah. longer. So the value prop then for users today is maybe it's a little bit faster, but realistically, there's still going to be some delay from the merchant side, and then you're going to get instant, uh, you're going to get zero cost basically transactions, and uh, you get to store it right away in this sound yeah. money. I imagine that's going to, you know, as this takes off and as this becomes more um, widely adopted for for all cashback programs offering Bitcoin rewards, um, that's quite a bit of buy pressure on Bitcoin, the asset, if you think about it. Like if if it's a hundred billion dollar industry today um, and, you know, if a portion of that moves over to Bitcoin, 
all of a sudden you get, you're getting like billions or tens of billions of dollars that are just buying Bitcoin. And I don't know, do you, do you get the sense that people are um, kind of storing this once they get it? Or, you know, like personally, like the cashback rewards that I've gotten at credit cards in the past, they're never big enough to, you know, for me to do a whole lot with them. I just kind of let them sit there and I let them mm. accrue value. And, and I just kind of, I sit on it, right? Like, it's not like it's going to pay my bills um, mm-hmm. when I get $7 back or something in a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think people are doing with this? And do, do you think this is realistic that this is actually going to be meaningful buy pressure on the price of Bitcoin? Yeah, definitely. So, so you mentioned like 100 billion uh, estimated uh, value of the of the global cashback market, but then there's the the loyalty market that is another likely hundred billion on top of that there, and you know together with the DCA army of of more people just stacking regularly and buying Bitcoin, uh, these types of reward uh, platforms uh, like us where we need to buy every day no matter what the price is. Uh, and, you know, we're pretty small at, at this point, but there's going to be, you know, we're going to grow and there's going to be more companies like us. Uh, and eventually the whole the whole industry will naturally gravitate towards towards Bitcoin. I think that's inevitable and definitely that's going to uh, create this floor of just constant buying pressure. And, and yeah, like you like you realized um, accurately, like, you know, let's say um, let's say we're able to offer two percent on on booking.com purchases for um, for 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 all of our users booking.com alone does so much volume that if everyone realized we exist and and you know did what I think is a no-brainer that every time they they book something on booking they'd go through us and earn earn a few percent in sats if if everyone went and did that that would be that would be huge for mm-hmm. I mean, for the for the price of Bitcoin, and then you look at every other e-commerce platform. Um, that definitely, I think that's. I mean, maybe maybe that's what we're seeing right now. Is like, uh, even though the macro environment would suggest that, you know, there's a like this risk-off environment, and maybe Bitcoin should be dumping, and we're still stuck there at like, forty k for for the past couple of weeks that you know maybe that dca dca army and rewards that you know need to constantly buy bitcoin maybe that's what's causing it and i think you know it's a good thing the more mm-hmm. services we have like that and the more people dca the less volatile bitcoin will be and the faster i think um the faster and the, i guess the easier uh, adoption will be for um for users in um you know especially developing countries where volatility for them is still an issue. So, um, you know, if you have someone in El Salvador looking at their balance, all of a sudden their Bitcoin is worth 30 or 40% less, that's going to make them a bit um, um, uncomfortable with with storing more more of their savings, even though it's like a on a short term basis, they they don't look at things, you know, they they live from like month to month. So so they'd be worried about that. So I think definitely, yeah, it's a it's a good point. Mm. Yeah. What do you think about Bitcoin as a medium of exchange and how we get to a point where people are not only earning in Bitcoin, but then also able to spend in Bitcoin? What are the constraints today? Because I know, you know, in different countries, it depends on, you know, you have different capital gains requirements and different tax reporting. Um, is that the primary constraint to getting people to spend Bitcoin? 
or do you think price plays into this too? And how do we get to a point where, where we can develop a circular kind of spending and earning economy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, actually one of the reasons why we, we started with rewards and we started with Satsback is we we believe that it's not necessary to um, um, for a money to be a medium of exchange before it gets adopted wild, wi- widely and before it gets mass adoption, that it's enough if it's a um, store of value first, um, which was, uh, you know, there was this large push of companies trying to get everyone to pay with Bitcoin um, for things online in the early days where, you know, it didn't really make sense for these merchants to integrate because not that many people yet, you know, more do nowadays, but not still not a large portion of the population has Bitcoin. So that's why we focused on helping people save in Bitcoin. And I think, you know, it it obviously makes sense because everyone who has spent Bitcoin in the past, maybe unless it's like supporting a, a podcaster or sending, spending some sats in El Salvador, uh, which is fun, but pretty much every time you, uh, you you spent Bitcoin on buying something, you know, maybe you didn't necessarily need, you you regret that because then you, you, a few years later, you, you keep thinking like, oh my God, if I just kept those those sats, they'd be worth so much right now. And, you know, the, there's that there's that um, great website, um, uh, Bitcoin or shit, right? And you, I don't know if you know it. It's <laughs> I like, seen that one. yeah, yeah. So it's like, instead of, if you didn't buy that iPod in, you know, wherever, like seven years ago and bought Bitcoin instead, you would have had that much. But it's so I think that that might be at least for people that understand Bitcoin and understand um, how early we still are in the monetization phase. They um, like, yeah, I don't like spending my Bitcoin, right? I'd much rather earn it. Uh, but but I'm still happy to. Um, spend sats on light. So maybe there's something about lightning that makes it um, that people um, spend their sats uh, uh, more because it's just, I don't know if it's, if it's more fun or if it's, if it's, um, you know, if the experience is, or maybe, you know, Bitcoiners also want to support these new ideas like podcasting 2.0 um, and, you know, other businesses that are, that are on lightning. So um I think I think that the, the tax treatment in various countries is, is definitely plays a role. I just don't know if it's if it's that big of a role because I don't think I don't think the I don't think most people that are spending sats online like whether it's like you know a few bucks here they are gonna are gonna report that because at the end of the day it's it's like almost unenforceable. Plus I I honestly believe that you know it's it's now a. Um, it's now a foreign currency, right? Bitcoin is now legal tender in not one, but two or three countries. Yeah. So, so you know, uh, I, I definitely don't think it, sh- it should be should be treated. Uh, there shouldn't be any capital gains on on spending Bitcoin. That's that's ridiculous. But but yeah, I guess it's. I don't I don't think it's slowing down people from spending their Bitcoin. I think. Um, Possibly the the element of, of, you know, we know that it's going to be worth a lot more in the future. So maybe if I spend Bitcoin, I'd, I'd, I'd want to make sure that I replace it as well. So I don't, I don't like, yeah. Yeah. There's going to be an opportunity cost for sure. Um, For me, it it just seems like, like, I I agree that, you know, there's, there's going to be some, there's some constraint on capital gains tax. I don't know how big that one is. 
but there's also a constraint on price. People, people want to hold on to something they know is going to go up. Um, so I see that, but I also see the side from the merchant on lightning. It just makes this whole economy so much smoother. And it just like, mm. I think eventually merchants are going to come to realize that they can save a lot of money on lightning and they can save a lot of time and, you know, fraud and chargebacks and all this stuff that they have to deal with on credit card networks may be um, abstracted away if they if if we get to a point where everyone's on lightning and um, so from the merchant perspective I think this it, it makes this loop a lot smoother right you can go from spending to instantly blasting it out to all the merchant suppliers to you guys you can then blast it out to all your users mm. and it just and then it lands right in the user's wallet and it's like instantly there and they can go spend it right away once again so it does it does really speed up that circular economy if we can get rid of that like the fiat is the slowest part of this you know uh spending and earning economy right now. of course yeah and you know and 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 we didn't mention that if um i said like i i don't like spending my uh my bitcoin but if you're earning in bitcoin then you you kind of need to uh, and you know, as as more people are in Bitcoin, uh, businesses are gonna gonna feel the need to start accepting it. Apart from what you mentioned of just the obvious benefits of of accepting Bitcoin, like with chargebacks and 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 whatnot. So, yeah, I think it's obvious, and I think you know what what Jack Mullers is doing with Strike is 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 incredible, and it's yeah, it's definitely important for and and we do see like the immense value in a in a circular economy. Uh, like we don't think it's enough for you to hold. Like if everyone was everyone was just holding their Bitcoin, then there wouldn't be much activity, and you know, uh, miners wouldn't be getting paid. So, so yeah, I mm -hmm. think. But it's it's more of this. Um, I think these um, these circular economies are popping up organically in, in in these places like El Salvador, and and I think in Africa there's this massive potential for for you know communities and 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 cities to. Um, maybe leapfrog even like they did with um, telephones. They they just went to mobile directly. They never had a landline. They just went straight to mobile. Maybe that's going to be similar for them where they're, you know, unbanked completely, and then they're jumping onto something like like Bitcoin. Um, yeah, because it just just makes sense because most people there have a have a mobile phone, but many of them wouldn't even have an ID, right? Right. Uh, nope. So yeah. I want to get into a discussion about sats back in the in the way you guys do it today and loyalty rewards. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking more like um, airline miles. Let's use that as mm -hmm. an example. Um, it, to me, it, like rationally, it seems like the uh, use case is for like people will want sats if they can choose between sats or the sat value of airline miles. But airline miles are still a thing. And th this was true with dollars too, right? Like it's preferable mm. to have the dollars over the miles, but miles are still a thing. Um, yeah. Do you think that the sats can kind of like, like earning Bitcoin can replace some of this loyalty card industry? Or is this kind of, is this going to be um, a use case that Bitcoin doesn't kind of um, yeah, I, disrupt? I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm confident that, that it will eventually. All you need is is a major airline that will 
do the do the do the new thing and 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 uh, start offering Bitcoin rewards, and then all of a sudden everyone's flying with that airline. So I think eventually, yes, it's just it might take longer than we think because yeah, you know, I guess it's similar with these um, uh, in-game tokens with like you have you have the V Bucks or I don't know, I'm not much of a gamer, but I know many of these games have their own uh, in-game currency. And mm -hmm. and they're not too interested with letting people pay out that currency. They kind of want to keep it in game, control it, control the supply of it. You know, um, make it expire whenever they want people to like go spend their miles. And I think it's similar with with airlines and with um, with retailers. There's a lot of benefit for them to have their own loyalty point. Right? It doesn't cost them anything. They can they can print as much as they want. Uh, users are kind of tied to that ecosystem that you know if if I wanted to use my points somewhere else it's it's hard to do um, if I wanted to sell them I can't really do that so it's like I, I think you're right that I mean eventually we're gonna move towards that 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 direction but I think you know it might they're gonna do it when they're forced to they wouldn't do it just because they wanted to just like you know it's 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 um, I guess this uh, the adoption of of sats within games is is uh, maybe slower than we expected. Uh, there's a lot going on, but it's it's like these games prefer to have their own, um, I guess, shitcoin, right? <laughs> there's advantages sure. in printing your own your own loyalty point, just as there is with printing your own money. That's um, a really good point, and it's um, because to the user, you know, the user's probably always going to want the money that they can use at the most places, which which would be, you know, cash or Bitcoin, right? Like they, mm -hmm. they don't want the loyalty points, but it's the merchant, I guess, that that is benefiting from issuing their own, you know, token or gift card. You know, if, if I'm shopping at the mall, I'm going to get a gift card and mm -hmm. the merchant's happy about that, I guess, because they can kind of set the terms and conditions mm -hmm. on that money and how it's used and they can kind of direct that flow of yeah. capital. I just um, I just had a similar situation when I was looking at, at uh, flights to Miami and I had some loyalty points and I realized that they were expiring soon. So there's, I, had, I had a bunch saved up through like just passively. I was I had a card linked to some points and they were going to expire. So it's like, well, what's the, you know, it's, it's good for the company, not good for the user. And I think eventually there's going to be more uh, solutions that are better for the user and maybe uh, less so for the um for the large companies, uh, but it'll interesting. be interesting to see. I think we're still early, like, like we're at the beginning, uh, early phase of, of Bitcoin disrupting this in, in these these industries. Yeah, I want to get into um, your your favorite Lightning applications in, so far. Is there anything that you've used that you're particularly excited about in the Lightning ecosystem? Oh yeah, I've actually uh, mentioned a couple of times. I've um, I've used the podcasting 2.0. And, and that's just fascinating. And but uh, Lightning Address, like uh, wallets that support that as, as well, has been has been really cool as a kind of UX improvement um, from uh, compared to you know sending invoices, uh, generating invoices, sending those. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I think that those are the two. I think those those the, those applications that are showing people what. Um, is possible with Lightning and what what might be possible, um, as well as things as, as like Lightning uh, login, um, 
Lightning authentication. It's it's where we're thinking of implementing that. Um, we actually started working on on doing that with Satsback. Uh, there's there's no reason why why I I guess there's reasons why I would want your email address, but we don't do much email marketing anyway. We don't need to know your your identity when you're shopping with us, and we could just as easily let you log in with your Lightning wallet. So it's just like. Um, apps that are that are using these new features um that are showing people what's what's really possible because you know and and you know and those those things have been uh accelerating really like um like it's even hard to keep up um even if you're focused on bitcoin and lightning is really hard to keep up with everything that's going on um especially for me because i'm not i'm not nearly as technical as i'd like to be uh, Leon or, or, or CTOs on top of those things. I, I try to uh, keep up, but it's just, it's just, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, uh, one one idea that I, um, I I hear mentioned quite a bit, but hasn't hasn't been fully implemented yet, is uh, the idea of putting a Lightning address as an email. And yeah, I think yeah. I think Zebedee's working on this. I think there might be a couple other teams working on it. So where wait, you can just like have an email client that is your lightning address and it can oh, paywall content. Oh sweet. Yeah, I've 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 actually been looking. I'm wondering like these are I guess these are one of these things that you think is just like yeah, of course this is genius. Someone should build this and it's not going to happen until someone does. So mm -hmm. it's it's yeah, I was I was actually looking I forget the name, but I was looking at a company us maybe a startup that's doing that but but I don't think it's with Bitcoin. So I think they're called gated or something like that. And it's, yeah, it's obviously a big problem because, um, you know, most of our email inboxes are just flooded with, you know, a lot of it is spam. A lot of it is, is unnecessary messages. Um, and, you know, I think Michael Saylor uh, came out and said um, with Twitter, like that's, you know, sats could be a way of combating the, the spam on Twitter and the spam mm -hmm. bots. I definitely think with with emails. I, I I haven't heard that Zebedee's working on, on uh doing that, but that would be super cool. Um, they mentioned it on uh, a past episode. That's why I know. It oh really? Was, yeah. On, yeah, yeah, yeah. On that would that would be episode. amazing. There's also another company working on uh, anti-spam for calls and messages, kind of like mm -hmm. Twitter DMs. Uh, it's called Vita, and they just launched recently. But okay. pretty cool idea. Basically, you can charge, you can set a rate, and oh. anyone can, you know, I can have a Twitter bot in my DMs that anytime someone tries to start a message with me, it can say, hey, I don't check my Twitter DMs. If you want to message me, you can message me on Vita. It's going to cost you, you know, five cents per minute mm -hmm. or, or five cents per minute for a call or maybe it's 10 cents per message or something yeah, like I've that. Yeah, I've seen that. I, I noticed that I think yesterday on, on Twitter, whether it was like uh, a Jack, like, I, I don't know who it was, but, but that's, yeah, super fascinating. And I think it does, there is like an overlap with, with you know, Bitcoin and, and what, you know, how Bitcoiners um, start to value their time more. Uh, yeah. Our attention and our time is, is super valuable. And we start thinking more about like how we can preserve it and maybe... Um, be more effective or present when we're working and then spend the free time that we have with our family. So it's, I think these things, these, these types of um, products are, are there's, there's some alignment with Bitcoiners, right? I'd rather 
Um, you know, especially if it's me trying to reach out to someone I don't know or, you know, speak to an investor, I'd be happy to show them I'm serious by paying like a, a, a few thousand sats. Um, but it would yeah. definitely filter out. And I think, you know, maybe even the the early days of um, was it um, was it proof of work was actually um, intention there was was to use it for for spam. Like, I, I think yeah, the the, these ideas were around yeah. for ages. Yeah. I think it was meant yeah, to definitely, combat. Yeah, yeah, they've been around for a while, but it's nice to see it. They're starting to be appreciated and started to be. You're right. Like people are recognizing their time is worth something. Mm -hmm. And I think the the early internet we got so good at distributing content for basically no cost, and the money side of it didn't keep up to speed. Right. Like we still had these antiquated fiat rails that had such high fixed costs and such long delays that it didn't make sense to gate all of these, you know, communications platforms with fiat. But now that we have the tools to make it instant and to make it granular, you can go down to any denomination. Now we can monetize any amount of time. Whereas previously we could only monetize like, you know, your nine to five job, you get paid for it, mm. but you're not going to get paid per email or per, you know, minute you spend working on a project, um, now you can get paid for, you know, per minute that someone listens to the podcast, per email open, per, you know, every time a page loads, you could get a, a, a payment. Mm -hmm. And I think we're just kind of rebuilding the, the gates there because the, the stuff on the internet has to eventually, I think it has to be paid for by someone. It's either going to get paid for directly by users or by audiences, or it's mm. going to get paid for by advertisers. And then you're going to have all the platforms that are saying it's free, but really just feeding you ads and, and taking your data and all that. So yeah. it's like, there's no free lunch here. And I think now what we're headed towards is a more sustainable path where the money that is being spent by users is going directly to the people creating content and people, you know, mm. building businesses on the internet. And it's a it's a one to one relationship, and you don't have to worry about this kind of like hidden cost of free on the internet. Oh, definitely. I'm, I'm not sure if you were aware of that error code that was, I think, uh, programmed into into the, the 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 internet protocols that was payment not found, and it was unused for the longest time because we didn't have a way of of sending value over the internet um, seamlessly, uh, and we now do. So it's it's yeah. Um, Tying a um, a monetary value to those things, I think, will will change the way for the better. Um, I'm I'm hoping actually these business models will will change, and you know maybe I'm okay with receiving some ads, but um, I'd like to decide what um, what data of mine gets shared with who, and then get compensated for that directly mm -hmm. potentially by the company. So I think yeah, those it's just. That's like a separate rabbit hole, but I think those 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 things are gonna, um, yeah, it's gonna change the internet and and advertising and in so many industries. One hundred percent fascinating. Yeah, it's it's a lot to think about. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation. This is we got into a lot of different rabbit holes here. Um, for listeners, where can they go to find out more about you and Satsback? Yeah, so it's obviously the website, satsback.com, and uh, the social media platform that we're most active on is, is Twitter, and we have the at Satsback handle 
there. And then we have uh, an active community on Telegram as well. And that should be the same handle at Satsvac, but you could also get find the link on, on the website. Um, so yeah, and yeah, this has been so much fun. Thanks, thanks for having me, Kevin. It was, it was great to speak to you and get to know you better. And uh, yeah, let's do this again. For sure, sometime. yeah. Thank you for taking the time and I, I can't wait to do it again soon. All right, awesome. Thanks. Welcome to the Lightning Round presented by Zebedee, your portal into the world of Bitcoin gaming. The Zebedee app, that is Z-E-B-E-D-E-E, -E -E, is a full-featured Lightning wallet and allows you to earn Bitcoin for playing games. Now, I thought it'd be fun to spice things up a bit. So if you go download the Zebedee app, you'll get a chance to compete against me and earn some extra sats. Each month, I'll be playing a different Zebedee game. And you can find them all in the Zebedee app. Uh, but this month, I'm going to play Seru Toby. Now, my high score on Seru Toby is currently 625 meters on flyby mode. So if you go download the Zebedee app and beat my high score, send me a screenshot of it on Twitter as well as your Zebedee Gamer tag, and I'll send you some extra sats. Good luck. All right, in the last seven days, you guys sent in 76,020 sats to the show, 26 different supporters. Thank you to everyone sending in sats. We're gonna run through the top five of the last seven days. Still in first is TKMICE with 24,000 sats sent in. An anonymous user from Castomatic has now sent in 16,887 sats in the last seven days. Ben Tyler in third with 13,015. Gower Lentel with 3,792. And BTC Rich with 3,716. We've had a bunch of comments in the last week, but most of them we covered on the past episodes. We've just got two new ones here from episode 43 with Sam Walker. Um, BTC Rich says, love to hear fresh voices on the Bitcoin circuit very thought-provoking, could benefit internal corporate emails to reduce the amount of people copied and CC'd. I agree. This, the concept of being able to paywall your time in super small increments, like being able to put up a paywall for a, an email or a Twitter DM, um, I think this is going to be a really powerful concept moving forward. Like I don't think it's, I don't think it's fully appreciated yet. Um, really, we can't earn for our time in chunks of less than like hours. You know, a typical corporate job is 40 hours a week. Maybe you can get a part-time job for 10 hours a week, but it's very hard to find someone who will pay you for anything for a, an hour a week or for 10 minutes a week. And so we can take that number all the way down to the seconds and we can now, you can now charge by the second for your attention. I think that's really cool. Um, so if you haven't, if you haven't seen the episode with Sam Walker, check it out. I think he's, he's on something really big there. Um, Kieran sends two rocket emojis, uh, to episode 43 as well. Uh, so yeah, check it out if you have not seen it already and can't wait to see what you guys send in this week. And we got a couple more great guests coming up next week.